Welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. Extra Point is part of the preaching ministry at Moberly Baptist Church in East Texas. Extra Point provides helpful follow-up to Sunday's messages. Specifically, it allows us to discuss some of the extra points from the message that we didn't have time to fully discuss on Sunday and even answer your questions. So if you have questions, you can submit those to extrapointatmoberly.org. I'm Paul Coleman, the teaching pastor at Moberly, and today I'm joined by Greg Martin, who serves as our pastor of congregational care here at Moberly. So, Greg, I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's get started. Well, it's good to be here this morning, Paul. Thanks for inviting me to, to share. Um, we've been going through this great series, and I just have heard so much positive feedback about uh, the, with under the title of Above Every Other, which focuses on some of the many names of God. And over the, the last 10 Sundays, you've shared with us 19 names for God. Hmm. And, uh, you know, as we wrapped this up and brought it to a kind of a point of conclusion, what uh, what was the final name that you taught about this week, Paul? Uh, the final name we talked about on Sunday was Abba Pater, or uh, some translations say Abba Father, but it's essentially Abba is Aramaic for Daddy or Papa. And then Pater is Greek for father. And I knew when we started the series that we would end up, or that I knew that I wanted to end up on Father's Day talking about Abba Father. And um, the reason for that is because really the concept of God as Father is really um, a concept that encompasses all of the names of God that we talked about. In fact, it encompasses every name of God. So if you study all the rest of the names of God, however many there are, and there are a lot, apparently, uh, you would find that they're all consistent with who God is as a father. And so uh, to me, it was a great way to sort of wrap everything up and focus on our Heavenly Father. And so let's talk about that term, Abba. I've heard people over the years, you know, in prayer services I've been in, uh, or, you know, usually if I'm praying with a small group of people, sometimes I'll hear people say Abba, or they'll even refer to God as Daddy. Um, how do you feel about doing that in your own life, Greg? How, how do you relate to that? You know, I, I think it's it's um, an interesting paradox almost in that uh, on the one hand, to call the creator of the universe uh, the one who brought me into being, the one that created the world by speaking, uh, who holds all the galaxies, and it seems awfully, um, almost impertinent to, to to call him daddy, and yet he's the one that invites us to do that. That's mm. what's so amazing to me is that daddy to me is a precious term, mm -hmm. and I when I called my dad that, that was one thing, but really I learned so much more about that when my kids called me daddy. And I realized in their mind that was that that uh, implied I'm safe here, I'm mm. loved here. I, this is this is somebody who cares about me so much. So for my children to call me daddy is a precious thing, and so uh, I think uh, again. I don't want to call him daddy all the time in the sense that I don't want to lose my respect for my father, but at the same time to know that he loves me and to know that he desires nothing more than to just be loved by me and respected by me and spend time with me. Uh, you know, to call him daddy is a is a, a precious gift that he gives us as his children. And he, and as you shared um, this week, you know, not not everyone can say that. Not every human yeah. being can say that. Well, I love what you just said. I love when my son called me dad or daddy. I love that. <clears throat> and I, 
I'm just thinking, as you were talking about that, I'm just thinking about some of those memories and the fact that he could call me that, that he wanted to call me that, you know, represented his trust in me. It represented that, that I was someone that was safe in his life, you know. And and that is so beautiful that God communicates his through his name, Abba, that he wants us to think of him like that. He, he not only gives us permission to think of him like that, but he he invites us to think of him like that in that level of intimacy, of trust, of, of safety and security. And so that's the beautiful thing about all these names of God is they, they communicate something specific about him that otherwise we wouldn't know about him. We, we would tend to think that because he's so vast, he's so transcendent, that he would be too busy or too important to have time for me or to even desire to be with me. And to think that we never outgrow it. You know, you think when your kids get older, my daughter still calls me dad. Mm-hmm. You know, my son calls me pops. I think that's his term of endearment. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But, uh, well, but it my, is. But, you know, as a kid, you think, well, one day I won't need that. Well, we always need that that loving relationship with a father who loves us and cares for us. And so I'm, I'm glad I will never outgrow the need and the desire to call God my, my daddy. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. And I said in the message, you know, there's not every time the word Abba and the name Abba is used, it's used with father. So both ideas are always there. It's not ever intended to be a way to minimize God's importance, you know, and God's um, majesty, because it's always used with pater, with father. And so both concepts, their love and respect are there. But I do think that it's a, it's an important point. I think we, we might feel uncomfortable publicly referring to God as daddy, but, you know, in our private time with the Lord, and as a way that, more importantly, how we think about God, I think that's so important that that, that overarching idea is there because it encompasses all these other ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, people think, well, how do you really think of God as your father? How do you really, how do you do that relationship? How do you have a relationship with God as your father? What does it really look like? My encouragement would be to folks, and I mentioned this uh, on Sunday, is the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to God as Father 124 times. So that's a beautiful gospel story of just looking at it, reading it through the lens of watching Jesus relate to God as his Father. What does he do? How does he, he does respect God, obviously. All those things, if you begin to just look at that relationship, so many times we need to see something with skin on it to see how it really works. And that is an excellent place to go to be able to see how Jesus related to his father, both as his Abba and as his pater, as his father, love and respect, intimacy, and um, and yet confidence in him as as a God who could do anything, you know, God without limits. And so I would encourage people to go there and, and look at that. I think one other thing that you mentioned yesterday, which is one of my favorite stories, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, is another good place to look, go and look and see um, how we relate to the Father. No matter how much we mess up, He still loves us so much. And, and runs so, to us. Man, right. that is so awesome. And he's, he's always looking for that relationship to be restored and refreshed and renewed. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, several times in, in this series, you quoted a couple of guys that I find fascinating. One is A.W. Tozer, and one is a, a man named J.I. Packer. Um, two giants, and I've read mm-hmm. some other stuff, but but why in particular have you found them helpful in this study about who God is and how we see Him through His names? 
You know, uh, I read The Pursuit of God when I was in high school. And in the youth ministry that I came up in, our youth minister put a a library together in one of the rooms at the church, and he just picked out some books and said, if you're looking for something to read uh, to grow spiritually, here's here's a bunch of books. And you can just go in there and check them out, write your name on this piece of paper, whatever. So actually... The Pursuit of God was the smallest book <laughs> on that shelf. And I wasn't much of a reader in those days. I didn't really enjoy reading till later in my life. And so I thought, well, this is a little bitty book. And if you read it, if you look at it from the it looks like a pamphlet almost. I mean, it's a tiny little book. And uh, I thought, I can probably read this one. And so I took it home and started reading it and wrestling with it. And, and there, I'm sure the first time I read it, there was a lot about it I didn't understand. But... What I got from it was exactly what we're talking about in this study, that God wanted me to know Him personally, that it wasn't just about some kind of third-person relationship or static knowledge of God who exists way off somewhere, but it was a personal, intimate relationship. And so that really intrigued me, and um, I began to do more research and read more books by Tozer, and what I discovered about him was he was, you know, some people call him a mystic. You know, I think that's unfortunate. That's an unfortunate term, I think, because that tends to scare people away from mm-hmm. someone like that. Right. He, to me, was very sound biblically. He's an amazing guy. He never was educated formally, but so intelligent and educated himself. And But the thing that I love about Tozer is he was a pragmatist. He spent hours with the Lord every day on his face. He would get on his face in his office and spend time alone with the Lord. And uh, so to me, I've always had a lot of respect for him. So the more I've gone back and read that little book over and over again and recommended it to people and gone through it with people, I find different things almost every time. But it's always based on what I find is always the same idea, and that is that it's that God wants us to know him personally and have a personal relationship with him. And so when you read Tozer, you just understand that that is the thing that consumes him. He is consumed with knowing God and with and, and getting to know God here on earth, not just waiting until we know him face to face in heaven. And then Packer, Packer's more of a theologian, obviously a guy who's very practically uh, involved in knowing God himself too, but uh, he comes at it from a little bit more of a theological, historical theological standpoint. And so when I the first time I read Knowing God, again, I think I was in, in college maybe, and I didn't understand a lot of it, but the things I got from it were very helpful. And and, and he just talks about um, you know these basic concepts, not necessarily the names of God, but basic concepts. So either one of those books, Knowing God or The Pursuit of God, or even a third book by a guy that actually led me to the Lord named Dan DeHaan, uh, wrote a book called The God You Can Know. And, uh, and you can still get that, I believe. But if you can't, let me know and I can get you a copy. I have a few copies. But those books are all just focused on the same thing, and that is the importance of knowing God personally. Not just knowing about God, but knowing Him in your experience through His revelation in the Bible. Uh, you know, Paul, I <clears throat> went back and pulled out the, the, the book by Tozer as you began this series and kind of referenced him. And, and I guess the thing that struck me is just we were created to know Him, mm-hmm. and we're never going to be fulfilled until we... Really seek that that intimate knowledge that fills a a longing right. a need in our hearts that that is there. And so I, I yep. appreciate your mm-hmm. helping us to to be acquainted with these guys who share these deep things with us. Sure, you know, 
Sunday was a, a not a coincidence. We don't believe in those, <laughs> but certainly God had worked in your heart to bring this series to this point on a, on a special day, a Father's Day. And Father's Day is an unusual thing. It, it, it can be such a great celebration, but it can be a hard thing for, for many people who um, their picture of father because of their own personal experience is a pretty hard thing. Uh, father wasn't what... Um, uh, you know, he, he may have been mean, he may have been distant, he may have been, um, had, you know, issues. I mean, and, and, and as a father, I can relate to that. I, yeah. Sometimes I, when I look back, I realize my failures more oh, than I man. recognize my successes as, a, as yeah. a father. Thank goodness that God fills in the gaps. <laughs> but but um, knowing God as our father is different than uh, knowing our heavenly Father, help help us to think through that a little bit, Paul. Yeah, I mean, our earthly fathers, our biological fathers, at some point they all fail us. But there are some people who have very disappointing experiences with their biological fathers from from anything from never knowing their father, never really having a relationship with them, to knowing them but you know being hurt by them, abandoned or abused, maybe even. And, and so I know anytime like a day like Father's Day, particularly, there's a lot of emotions. I got a note from someone yesterday afternoon basically expressing that, that, that their relationship with their earthly father had been very difficult and strained. And they just appreciated the fact that we talked about that a little bit, that we acknowledged it, because it's not all perfect, and yeah, there are people sitting in our churches each Sunday who have their father on the road with them, maybe even their grandfather, and they have wonderful families where they've demonstrated the, these some of these attributes of God to their kids and grandkids, and that's such a blessing, and that's ideal. Uh, it's not it's not most people's experience, unfortunately, but so many times people will say, and I've heard this in ministry, I know you have too, I can't think of God as my father. Because the only ideas, the only thing that comes to my mind when I think of father is negative. It's it's uh, disappointment. So how can I then think of God as my father? And we talked about this on Sunday that God is the standard for fatherhood. No earthly father, regardless of how well they do at fathering or how poorly they they do at it, they're still not the standard. The standard is God. He is uh, he is what a true father should be and should model for their kids. And so to me. It's backwards to say, and I get it, I understand, because I had a father who disappointed me too uh, through no fault of his own. He, with his illness, he simply was not able to be a father that I needed. But instead of looking at our dads and saying, that's what God should be like, we should look at God and say, that's what our dads should be like. God should be the standard and not right. our own dads. And I think when you start with God, then it's it's starting over it's saying i'm not i'm just going to okay i don't know what a father should have been because i didn't have a good father if that was your experience but i can look at god and see what kind of god and father he is and he's not limited <clears throat> he's not he's not imperfect he is perfect to have a perfect father is so amazing that gift alone is such an amazing thing well i like what you shared that said that when we can accept God as our Heavenly Father, it allows us to release the imperfections of our earthly father. Because sometimes those things weigh us down, and we have to get past that to be yeah, able to Yeah, even in adulthood, people carry that. A right. lot of times, it just is a wound. For a lot of men, mm -hmm. they never heard from their earthly father, I'm proud of you, I love you, right. you're good enough, you're accepted. And that wound, even 
for a middle age or an older man still is there in a lot yeah. of men's lives. So I had I had a good dad, hard worker. What was your dad me a lot like? Of, my dad was a <laughs> he was a funny guy if you can believe that. Yeah, he I can. Was, I can he was a mess. That, Greg. You I can, can totally see that. If you think I'm weird, you should have met my dad. But, <laughs> I would have uh, liked that. Good man, very involved. That took us to church, those kinds of things. Betsy and I have talked about this. We don't remember our dads saying to us a whole lot, I love you, hmm. or I'm proud of you, and yet we never doubted it. You knew it. We yeah. knew it, but I, looking back on that, and that's one thing I've tried to be more intentional about. And I'm, again, not I'm the dad with, with, uh, that looks back and sees the what-ifs, but sure. I've tried to be more intentional about telling my kids I love them and that I'm proud of them because I, I did not hear that. I did not doubt it, but I did not hear that very much. And so, uh, you know, I think every dad probably has gaps. And like I say, I'm grateful that God is so good at filling in the gaps for us. And I, you know, I'm thinking about that too. I think I knew uh, that my dad loved me. I never really doubted that, <clears throat> but I don't know that. I was always quick to tell him I loved him, but I don't think he ever initiated that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and of course. It all depends on the generation they came from, what they saw. So it's cyclical in some ways. But right. I talked about on Sunday this idea of, you know, if, if you keep looking backwards and blaming, you know, past generations or whatever, or just thinking about where you've come from. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who are bound by that. Mm-hmm. They, they look back and they go, well, three generations ago, my dad, my granddad, my great-granddad, they were unfaithful or they were an alcoholic or they were whatever. They had some kind of... A horrible habit or sin in their life that tended to just define them. And so I am doomed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in Jesus Christ, you're not doomed. You're free. Right. You're set free to forge a new path, to create a new branch in the family tree. I like what you said yesterday. We need to start a new fork in the family tree. Yeah. That's a great, great analogy. Well, and if you've ever read the resolution for men, it's a, and it's a great resource if you're listening and you want to, even for women, to read that. I know there's one for women, too, but even read the one for men because so many men are bound by what they believe they're locked into based on their family history. And, well, if my dad was like that, that's probably the way I'm going to be. No, 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 that's not true. And Jesus Christ... If you're following Jesus Christ, he wants to write a better story. The story should get better and better and better every generation as you follow the Lord. I appreciate 2 Corinthians where it says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You're right. That's right. We're not stuck with the old. But we are all shaped uh, to a large degree by the kind of fathers we have. So in the same way, once you have a personal relationship with your heavenly father, that relationship will completely shape you going forward. That's what I love to see is men who grab a hold of that personal relationship with their eternal Father through Jesus Christ, and then they allow that relationship with their eternal Father to shape them going forward. And they break that cycle. They break that chain, that generational sin idea, and become someone new, like you just said, a new creation. And they're able to... uh, Go places that their their father, maybe their grandfather, couldn't go, and so, so to me, that is the the beautiful thing about what Christ can do in someone's life in terms of transforming them, as you know God, just in terms of knowing who's your father, him allowing him to meet the needs in your life that your earthly father, even if he was great, could never fully, could never fully meet. Well, and I, I think about the ripple effect of these things, you know, the generational impact. I, you shared such a beautiful story yesterday about Philip and Andy and their. Um, 
loving this sweet little girl enough to bring her into their home and with the goal hopefully someday of adopting. And I think the generations that are going to come from that, that that little sweet little girl's life has been changed forever. And now her kids and her kids' kids, you know, just like sometimes we feel like the generations before have affected us, the choices that we can make in Christ have such a ripple effect to the generations that come after us. That's right. That's hopeful, isn't it? That's, mm, that's powerful. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Paul, you, we have loved the study, and I just want to thank you on behalf of the, the congregation just for allow, allowing God to speak through you on this. And hopefully, we won't stop that right now. I mean, this is a study that should go on. So, yeah. you know, there are other names to study, other things, but but Paul. Uh, I'm not saying that my memory's not as good as it used to, but if I wanted to find a resource that would help me go back and and uh, reflect on the names uh, of God that you shared with us, uh, where could I get that? We created a printable handout uh, online uh, because we weren't giving out anything in person for the whole COVID deal, you know. So you can go to Moberly.org on the website. Right now at the very bottom, you'll see a banner. Uh, that you can actually click on that says print out the names of God. And I guess that'll be up for this week. But after that, you can go to marbley.org, scroll down to where it says, just go all the way down till it says online campus, click on that, and, and there, there'll be a, a link there on that that says uh, names of God, printable names of God, so that you can have that. And I would encourage you to print that out and put that in your Bible or keep it with your devotional materials and meditate on that every day. I think... It's so important that those ideas and concepts of who God is not just be something that we learned at church one time when we had a sermon series on it, but they actually become part of your mindset, part of your thinking. Tozer had that quote that I've quoted many times over the last nine or ten weeks, that what a man thinks of when he thinks of God is the most important thing about him. And so you can control what you think of when you think of God by allowing his names to uh, penetrate your thoughts and your heart. So I would encourage you to sit down and meditate on those things. I read back through them yesterday just to say, this is the definition of what a perfect father looks like. And obviously no human father could ever be the things that our Heavenly Father is. But our Heavenly Father is all those things. Mm-hmm. And so just understanding those things and knowing those things builds our faith and trust in Him and our confidence in Him and and our intimacy with Him, our desire to be close to Him. So... Uh, so that's a, that's a really important thing, and I just encourage people to do that. Well, I hope our people see this not as the end. Of, you know, sometimes when I was in seminary, you'd take a course, you got you took the final exam, yeah, and done. You, you got a grade, and you checked that one off, and you you put it on the shelf and never thought about it again. But certainly, that can't be true of this thirst that hopefully has been ignited in us or reignited in us to know God and to really understand His character, and and not just to know Him, but how does that impact my life today? How does that impact my life during COVID? How does that mm-hmm. how does that change my life as I deal with racial reconciliation? All these yeah. things that we're faced with right now. Yeah. How do you know? Um, the key is uh, allowing this continuing growth in our knowledge of God to affect the way that we live. Yeah, it is a relationship, and you know, besides using that handout, I just think what I encourage people to do all the time is give God a block of time on a consistent basis. And I know we talk about every day having a time with the Lord, 
quiet time of devotional, whatever you want to call it, and that's important. But often those times are limited. We've got 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever the time would be, especially if we're going to try to do it in the morning before we do anything else, which is a great idea. But there are different ways you can do that. And I just think one of the most meaningful things that I've done in my life, and it came through the encouragement of guys like A.W. Tozer, Leonard Ravenhill, um, even Dan DeHaan that I mentioned that wrote the book, The God You Can Know, is to take and give God two or three hours and just say, for the next two or three hours, there is nothing more important on the planet that I could be doing right now. And so I'm going to block it out. I'm going to put myself in a situation where I can be as as little distracted as possible. And I'm just going to, I'm going to tell my wife ahead of time. I'm going to, you know, tell my kids ahead of time. So I'm not interrupted for unnecessary things. I'm always available unless this is some kind of an emergency or whatever, but I'm I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm going to take just my Bible, and I'm going to find a place that's safe um, and a place that I can kind of be free of distraction, and I'm just going to sit in the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to st- think about Him. I'm going to meditate on Him. Those are the richest times. Those are the times when your roots really have a chance to go down deep and and produce real growth in your life. And, and yet it's the thing that Satan wants to steal away from us the most is— sitting still and being quiet. And there's always an urgency to do something, something. What's the next thing I need to be doing? If you're like me, you have a to-do list and you're working it all the time and you feel good if you get through everything on your to-do list by the end of the week. Um, but knowing God's not like a to-do list, it is. it really is a relationship. And so if a friend called you up that you hadn't seen in 10 years and they said, hey, let's get together and have lunch or let's get together and have breakfast or whatever, you know, you might have a limited amount of time. You might have an hour, hour and a half, but the focus of that time would be simply them. It would be just listening to them and talking to them, and you would be so tuned into them if you hadn't seen. Well, even if you had seen them, but you just wanted to reconnect, that because it's a real relationship. And so, with God, the same thing is true. It's tougher for us because God's invisible, but He's not. Um, he's not uh, incommunicable. He does communicate to us, and He does desire to be with us. And by faith, in those moments, we can't see him, but we know he's with us and we know who he is based on his revelation. So I encourage people uh, to just really practice the spiritual discipline of solitude, of getting by themselves and meditating on God. You'll never regret that. It'll be a stretch, but you'll never regret it. And it has to be intentional, like you say. It's not something you can wander into. That's you have true. To, you have to make some specific choices to do that. But again, I think it's it's transformative. Um, it is. It's not a, it's not a uh, a theological exercise in the sense that it's ivory tower. It it translates into how you live and how you see life. Yeah, uh, how you interact with other people, and so. But but it can't if you don't spend that time with them. And part of it is kind of almost envisioning a human. I can sit across the table. You know, we're looking at each other right now, so I have that sense of yeah. a relationship, and we can't quite envision. Right. God, you know, Isaiah did, and right. it scared him to death, you know. <laughs> but uh, but that sense that there is a reality about this relationship. It's not me talking to the wall or to the ceiling. Exactly. By faith, you know that God's present. Mm-hmm. You know that he's listening. You know that he sees you and knows you, all those things that are true about him. We hope this podcast has been helpful to you, and we've heard from several of you. We'd love to hear from more of you, even if you don't have a question, if you just wanted to give us some feedback. Um, We'd love to hear if this is helping your walk with the Lord and what ways it's helping you. So 
Uh, you can let us know that by going to extrapointatmoberly.org. But also, um, we hope this helps those of you who are leading. You're teaching your connect groups or leading your connect groups or discipleship groups or just in your own personal study of God's Word. I hope you'll join us next time for the Extra Point podcast or in person or online this Sunday at moberly.org. Thanks.